Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5 is, is the more chaotic chapter in that uh, Paul is giving very practical advice to Timothy that is somewhat all over the, the map uh, to, to a certain extent. It's not, not too chaotic. And what you have here is a mentor writing to someone he has mentored um, and given some practical advice, uh, some things that he knows that uh, Timothy is struggling with, and sort of just guiding him through how, how to do that. Um, no doubt, we've, regardless of our profession, we've, we've done that. Whenever we, we begin, we, we have one question after another. How do I handle this? How do I put this in the system? What if this happens? What if I'm asked this? Um, and you, you, you almost get a sense Timothy is going through that. Um, and, and Paul is offering some practical advice that, that serve as great principles for us today. In, in the first half of this, really the, the majority of it, has to do with how do we minister to um, the elderly in our church. Notice a couple things he says. First of all, uh, he says in verse 1, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, and all purity. Now this is, this is the, the thesis, if you will, of, of the whole chapter. Uh, notice what he says about the elderly, that you treat older men um, as fathers and older women as mothers. So we get back here that we see popping up over and over again in the New Testament, the family of God. Uh, I mentioned this uh, a week or so ago, I think it was on Wednesday night, that the early accusation against Christians was they were um, atheists because they didn't worship the gods. Um, they were um, cannibals because they ate the flesh and, and drank the blood of some man from, from Nazareth. And that they were incestuous because they celebrated what were called agape feasts. This would be a meal with the, the Lord's Supper communion at the center of it. Um, so not only were they incestuous because of that, they were incestuous because they called each other uh, brother and sister. Um, and um, that was a radical idea uh, in the, the first century because one's family was tied only to blood relative. And it was very hierarchical, patriarchal, um, in that the father had all the authority within the home. In comes the church and, and brings equality uh, to the genders and races and everything else, uh, but, but does so beyond family lines. So, so we love each other as we do brothers and sisters, and it, it is worth, it's, 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 we use it sort of as, as a joke, but it is, is a very serious point, uh, that when we understand each other as brothers and sisters, we need to understand that brings with him faults. And that means that uh, whenever your family member uh, just causes issues, we don't just walk away from our family. We understand this is an, an eternal reality. We're always going to be part of this family. Uh, a thousand years from now, if the Lord tarries, someone will trace their genealogy back to me. Bless their hearts. Right? Uh, so so your, your DNA isn't something you, you, you surrender, nor can you redefine it. But... Um, that's a separate issue. Um, so, too, your eternal family is not something you, you can simply just surrender. So, yes, we, we understand that the people in our church and, and among uh, evangelicals um, are broken and weird and, and whatnot, but that, that doesn't mean that we, can, we just walk away from them. And this is the problem with church hopping. 
it, it is ungodly and, and unacceptable. If you just woke up today and thought, well, I, I just don't like this or that. I think I'll just try something else. That makes you a consumer, not a, a worshiper. So so we are to treat each other as family members. And when it comes to, to, to those who are our elder, we, we are particularly gentle and respectful because they've earned the right. One of the big errors of the modern world is that we worship youthfulness. Everything is centered around looking younger, sounding younger, being younger. So uh, whenever I was a teenager, I remember I would cringe whenever uh, the adults would pretend to be interested in our pop culture, our music, our movies, whatever it was, right? As a teenager, you, you cringe at that. I, I remember uh, before COVID, it was probably last summer, I was wearing shorts, and one of our students came up to me. I was wearing what the kids now call jorts. These are jean shorts. And and uh, they, they got on me. I said, look, <laughs> I am too old to care, right? Back when I was your age, I cared about this goofy stuff. I don't. And besides, if it will embarrass my two kids when they get to be your age, I definitely want to do that, right? Uh, but but we, we do live in this age where, where, where we, we want to remain young and we spend billions of dollars doing that on cosmetics and surgical treatments. And and that's not sure that's 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 a right thing to do. We are perpetually looking for the fountain of youth and we'll spend whatever money we have. I've told myself and I started seeing gray hair. It's coming in the beard. I've got more in the sideburns now. Uh, and then I got the spot. I'm like the opposite of Jay Leno. Jay Leno had one dark spot and everything else was gray. I got every, everything's dark and I got one gray spot in particular there. Um, but I, I just accepted a long time ago, uh, there's nothing wrong with aging. And it's the biblical worldview that that flips everything. Uh, instead of instead of fear and death, and so we're always trying to go back to our youth, the biblical worldview recognizes death as reality. And, and so those who have longevity of life are held up with dignity and honor in the community. We should do the same. Look, every uh, intern we've had here at the church, and we're looking for an intern for 2021. If you're interested or know anyone who might be interested, all the information is, is on our website. Um, but I've always seen to it that they spent time with some of our uh, elderly men and women. And uh, we lost one of those men that I, uh, we, we would go see. He had fought in wars, and he would lived a long life. He was a charter member of our church. And, and, and we would just go and let him talk, right? And, and we would just learn whatever it is that, that, that we could learn. It doesn't mean that we agree with everything uh, that those uh, who are older than us uh, do and say and think and all that. But it does mean is that there is a place of honor that we should, should re- respect there. And we've lost that as, as, as a nation because we, we worship youth and entertainment and sex and the self and science and all that sort of stuff. Well, that, that's, that's the setup. So, so you're going to uh, uh, honor uh, the elderly and you're going to respect uh, the, the younger. And that's applied in verses 3, uh, at least down to verse 16. And what he has there is, uh, verse 3, honor widows who are truly widows. And what he does is he, 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 he defines what he means by widows. Widows just means one who has lost their husband. Uh, we, we get that. Uh, but he says that there are those who are widows who um, are older in age that the church should take care of. 
there are widows who are younger in age, the church may, may serve, but it is important that they remarry. And, and and he says, look, look, the church does have a limited resources, um, and so uh, they should give those resources and help as many people as, as they can. So you'll see down um, in, I think it's um, verse 16, if any, if any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. So he, he's wanting to empower the family and the extended family. Remember at this time, you, you didn't have, um, you know, mom and dad and the kids and three cities down the road, you have grandparents and they'd see each other every holiday. What you had were probably in the same house, grandparents, parents, kids, if not even great grandparents, grandparents, parents, kids. Um, because of the way uh, living quarters were, you largely had a one-room house, maybe with an upper room, and, and everyone essentially slept in what we might call a living room today. I don't, I don't know. Um, and, and so the idea was, if there is a widow and there's family support, let the family take care of them there. Uh, let the church focus on those who are truly alone because the church then becomes their family. Right? And and that that's the idea. So verse 7 is sort of a summary of, of all of this. Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So we see here the importance of the family. Uh, that is the, the nuclear family. And also the family. This is the church family. We hold each other accountable um, so that we are better. This is why in a post-Christian society, in a secular age, where uh, people of faith are marginalized and the work of the church is overlooked and ignored and considered a nuisance, you have a breakdown of the family and a breakdown of the moral fabric of society. When the church is the center of communal life, what you have is accountability without the civil law being involved. And so when you take out the influence of the church and the ministry of the church, what you have to do is increase money with police. Now, we're so uh, confused in this immoral and amoral age that we think we can have justice and we can have peace without police. I mean, it's, it's madness, absolute madness. And then we wonder, how come crime rates are up? Well, that's because y- y'all are crazy, right? Uh, and, and you've denied the faith, and so you can justify just about anything in an effort to to uh, get away with whatever it is you, you want to get away with. So that's the big idea, is is uh, that, that there is generosity within the church and taking care of each other as family members in the church. Um, and then he, he goes and talks about uh, the role of elders. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this part. I really just want to make one biblical point and, and call it call it a day. The whole point of this chapter is the ministry of the church towards its members. Uh, that, that is a vital, vital ministry. Verse 18, I, I think is something that you should just keep in your repertoire. Uh, it says, For Scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the labor deserves its wages. He's talking about uh, giving double honor to elders who deserve it, uh, that you support uh, elders of the church, all that sort of stuff. I don't want to spend, we've already talked about that some in uh, 2 Corinthians and, and other passages. I really want to highlight verse 18 because of what it tells us about the Bible. Now, on the surface, it seems insignificant, but really, it is quite important for what we believe about Scripture, particularly in the New Testament. 
Paul quotes two passages of Scripture. The first is from the book of Deuteronomy. I think it's chapter 25. You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. Okay. The second is from the Gospel of Luke. The labor deserves his wages. Now, why is that so important? Well, for one, we see yet more evidence of uh, either Paul relying on Luke or... Uh, there is a common source that Luke and Paul relied on, or at least Luke, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I believe it was, you, you get the Lord's Supper. Paul is quoting verbatim from the Gospel of Luke. Now, we can talk about when were things written and stuff. It's kind of, sort of uh, beyond the point. So Paul is quoting from the Bible in the Bible. He's doing that here. But notice the language is, the Scripture says... You're not going to find the verse in the Old Testament that says the laborer deserves his wages. You will find it in the Gospels. So what Paul did, without us even noticing, is he said, okay, you hold the Old Testament to be Scripture, so are the Gospels. This shows up throughout the New Testament. Peter will say the same thing about Paul's letters when he equates the Old Testament prophets with Paul the Apostle and their writings. They'll say the heretics manipulate and, and change the Old Testament scriptures as they do Paul's. Um, so the Bible, the New Testament particularly, does this all over the place. It will say uh, what scripture is, and we have a good example of that here. So that's just that's a free uh, little nugget there for your apologetic ministry. Okay, with that, main thing, love each other in the church, take care of each other in the church, um, and be an example for the world. Hope to see you guys here Monday.